0: Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and today I have two special guests. I have Miriam Richard and Valerie Fry, who have joined together for this fantastic project called Dogs Invest. So welcome, ladies. Thanks, thanks both of you, for joining me.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Yes. So back up and, and tell uh, our listeners, readers, our audience, about how this great, project came to be, and it's actually, there's a lot of moving parts to this, but give our audience a little bit of a history about how this, how this endeavor happened.
2: Um, It started, we had won a dog at a charity auction, and we thought it was going to be for my daughter for um, emotional support, but it ended up that my son had gotten sick two weeks after we had uh, won the Uh, dog, and so we had seen a picture of our friends on Facebook who had a service dog in the hospital. My son was in the hospital 11 times that summer. And we thought, wow, you know, they're not giving him pain medicine for over three hours. And if he had at least the puppy on the sterile environment, like, could he, you know, endure the pain a little bit longer? And so um, I reached out to our vet and our vet, Uh, told us about Valerie and we said we might want to have a service dog actually to help my son. I mean, he's in immense pain. It happens in every two weeks, going to the emergency room and he was diagnosed with Crohn's and we didn't know um, what all it entailed. What would a dog be able to do for somebody who has stomach pain, I guess, basically. Yeah, yeah. Valerie had uh, reached out and told us, well, we could scent train your dog to learn some specific foods. If you know what food we can avoid. And she laid a huge groundwork for the first nine months of scent training for Stella.
0: Wow. And so Valerie, how did you get involved? I mean, I I know about scent work, of course, for the, Uh in terms of, I don't want to say enjoyment, but scent work is one of the top things I recommend if you rescue a dog from the shelter and you want to build confidence and work with their natural sense. I love scent work in in terms of um a great activity for the dog, but you're bringing scent work to a whole nother level you're using scent work to save people 's lives. How did that come about for you
1: absolutely um i've been training service dogs for almost for about almost fifteen years, and um you know. Um, we've, I've trained service dogs to help, um, with seizure response or diabetic alert dogs and to dogs, one scent is no different than the other. Um, and I, I'm like you, I don't think we should have any limits on what our dogs can do. Let's just see how far they can go. Uh, and of course these dogs were already very special, um. Whenever they were, um, I'll, I'll get into their breeding process in a second, but um, just explaining to Miriam the process of actually doing the scent training because I myself also work with a lot of rescue dogs and use scent training with these dogs to help build confidence, to help give them something they can do without you know, having to interact too much with out, outside of the home and, you know, those kind of things that help them tremendously. But one of the things that always struck a chord with me was um, just a scientist once said every dog can actually smell cancer cells. They just do not know we want to know about it. So we need to tell them when they, cert- when they smell a certain smell, we want to know about it and um so that's what we've been doing here and um of course miriam has went above and beyond with getting a bunch of different methods in order to put them together and i'll come over and we'll work on those um things whether they work or whether they don't and um and of course Stella has flourished with this yeah. so
0: so this is just so it's very inspiring so how long ago how long ago did this entire like how long ago did this start? How long ago did you begin the training process for
2: Stella? Three years ago, five years ago? She was, uh, it was two years. I had, you know, as soon as she came home, I knew to have her go fetch and just basic obedience. That's what I wanted from a dog. But Valerie wouldn't start training the dog till about seven months because for, right. she was, she had a busy schedule and she couldn't work us in. And she said, that's a good time. They've got enough basics and know who you are and understand what, your communication is and um, so we started he's just now exactly it's been two years pretty much and and how and Valerie how did you or even Miriam how did you
0: know did you put your son through testing to find out what he was sensitive to and then then you knew the triggers you needed to train Stella for how did you go about discerning what you needed to train Stella to
2: identify well we had uh, heard about this specific carbohydrate diet and it limits all grains all uh starch which uh, grains, you can ask if there's a grain on the menu, but you can't ask for um, starch, which is interesting. So when you first buy like cheese, when they don't want it to stick together, I don't know if they can see it, but at the very bottom is potato starch, right? Yeah. Wow. right there. Yeah. And then, but if you buy regular cheese, uh, this is called moon cheese, and it's just cheese. So this would feed the bad bacteria, the starch, and there's like different medications and Formulations like Tylenol is made with starch, but there's like, oh, he can only take Tylenol because Advil will make his ulcers bleed. So, but Tylenol will feed the bad bacteria, and the bad bacteria might be also uh, their exotoxins making the um the the ulcers. So we had followed the specific carbohydrate diet, and he has not been in the hospital from 11 times in one summer to he hasn't been in the hospital since uh, being on the diet for two years. And so we said, let's see what can we teach them? And, you know, people are saying, Oh, let's just make them gluten dog. Well, gluten, that's not all the grains and starch and tapioca powder and arrowroot powder and xanthan gum and all these different polysaccharides that are hidden in sauces that obviously the waiter, the chef doesn't even know that that's right. his product. So that's uh, where I, I have a IIN Institute of Integrative Nutrition Um certification and i have a master's in physical therapy and i've just been interested in diet i was a gymnast you know they always are watching food and <laughs> ingredients as a gymnast and so i i had a pretty heavy background in this and a, and wanting to research it and had had a surgery myself and knew i wanted to keep my son from having multiple surgeries with Crohn's and we were going to go the least uh invasive way and so um that's where we got and so that's that's amazing so you
0: decided okay we're going to with the help of valerie you're going to use your dog to help identify some of these hidden starches in the food so valerie you took on stella as uh at about seven months of age and mm-hmm. that i'm so sorry let me ask that question again this is part okay i just turned my phone off sorry about that okay <laughs> So Valerie, you took on Stella at about seven months of age to yes. help identify these hidden starches. And my gosh, that seems like an overwhelming task. I know that you're a veteran at it and you've done it 15 years. But how long did that process take till you really trusted Stella's ability to identify these substances and foods?
1: Well, um, it, did, it did take a little while. I actually brought in um, so, uh, quite a few colleagues to look and see because uh, a trainer can always you video and watch yourself and make sure you're not leading the dog because this is a behavior that we are asking this dog to you know help keep her son out of the hospital. So um, you know and then in a lot of most of these situations you're going in a restaurant, this is cooked food. You know, we don't want her trying to get the food, so I have an amazing uh, two-minute video where she can tell you if there's eggs on one side of the plate, she'll tell you it's all clear. If there's potatoes on the other side of the plate, you turn the plate around and ask her to check, and she'll tell you potatoes have starch in there. Um, So, I mean, every little detail had to be trained like that, and all of that was, of course, to Desensit- desensitizing her to that and um, really? just, you know, training up to the process of working on the um, more of the distraction area, that kind of thing. So sure. it took quite a while for Stella to understand that. And I brought in many colleagues to tell us if she was actually, if we weren't leading her in any direction and she was finding what we were saying she was finding and she was.
0: Wow. So, so awesome. So can you, Miriam, can you give us an example of, of what, like, how would Stella respond if she, if you went to a restaurant, and there was, like you said, there was some type of starch in a sauce, what, so you just let her basically sniff your son's plate, and she says, I uh-uh, don't that, or like, how does she communicate with you?
2: yes we have a paw up um is saying that starch and she was actually training my daughter for eggs for raw egg whites so um, she has two different signals bowing for that and she also has an all clear and so we did contact several trainers like valerie said and some i contacted some she contacted them when we put together a whole comprehensive package but stella alerts with a paw or looks straight at us with an all clear and i'll just show you the process we used real quick we had Um, the PING project uh, had suggested using a strainer and Sherry Finger wrote the book PING and that's for Diabetic Alert. So we put, there's 16 different grain starch maltodextrin in the bottom of here and you can see some wild rice grains and some quinoa probably. And then we would put the bowl Every day on there, and then we would take her food and put it in there. She heard that, and then she would every time she ate smell this. So now she's thinking steak dinner is related to this smell. So she wants to tell me why didn't she give me steak dinner? I smell steak dinner, and then we would put the same powder in a toy. And every time that smell came around, fun happened, something happened. She wanted to talk to us about that, say you know, why aren't we having fun right now? We're going to start to beg or, you know, I wanted a reaction. And so um, we have a little demonstration. If you want to see, we have this has, this is all clear for Stella. And this one has oat bran and rice bran. I don't know over there. Yep.
1: Yep. And,
2: um, And then we had, so these are like pills that I would ask. So as you can see which hands I have them in. I don't know if it translates the same, this is this hand. So I'm gonna go over by the door and show you and you guys just see uh, which one she gives me all clear to and which one she uh, alerts to. Just one second, let me in. Come here Stella, let's go check. Okay. So I'll do this one first, check for starch. Good all clear, so that was this hand, this one, okay. Good
1: girl. First starch. Yes. Did anybody
0: see oh. her? Ah. Yes. Yeah. Perfect.
2: Okay. Come here. Let me give you a treat. Good, Good girl. And she can do that. That's. Um. We also had used scotch tape. We had learned from Julian Skalke, and there's a whole group doing gluten and detection on how to do trace. And we had um, put trace. This is like some grain from her food bowl, and I would tape it in the room. And she would have to go find this in a room that was like a room that's not used for food. And then she would find this and tear it off the wall and bring wow. it to her. So
0: mm-hmm. it is amazing. And so in, in what, in what level of detection can Stella identify if there's starch
2: like I, that? Cause I mean, that's a teeny tiny amount is so. Tiny, that's I, trace, but you know, they, they say it's 20 parts per, Billion, or I think it's 20 parts per billion is gluten-free and 10 parts per billion is certified gluten-free. I don't know because I don't, my son won't have an anaphylactic reaction and I think he can tolerate minor amounts. Like we do have flour in the house and other people in the house eat flour. But, um, if over time, I know it would accumulate for sure. And, um, so I, I can't tell, we did at one point try to do beer and take you know 100 milliliters of water and one milliliter beer and say, okay, that's diluted to 100. And she was working with that, but that's really not what we were looking for, gluten proteins, but we were seeing what she smelled. And um, I, I don't know the exact amount. <laughs>
0: and so are you, so first of all, it's totally fascinating to watch your work and again, <laughs> very inspiring. So they're training dogs, and Valerie, you might be able to to chime in on your experiences. So I know about the gluten dogs. I know about the seizure dogs, uh, low yes. insulin dogs. But do you, I feel like this could just be the tip of the iceberg in terms uh, of training dogs to identify all sorts of things that we as humans need help identifying.
1: Definitely. There are a lot of people with anaphylactic allergies to food um, items that are You know, they can go into a restaurant. Peanut allergies are definitely one of the top ones for sure. Uh, And their food could be cooked in peanut oil or even touch it. And it can put this person in anaphylactic shock and um, life-threatening. And these dogs can actually detect trace amounts of that and tell that person not to touch it. Um, or whatever we decide to train the dog to do, whether it is that this person really can't even be in that room, or they'll get really sick, or that um, they just should not touch anything. Um, whatever we train that that um, response to actually be. Um, but I totally agree. I think it's the tip of the iceberg. I think that. Um, whenever they're trained to this level, taking them into any restaurant is definitely one of those perceptions. People might have a hard time seeing a dog in that situation, especially when we hand a plate over to the dog and ask them. But um, this, but knowing what they're actually doing, I think is going to actually set a different standard and tr- and teach people what they actually can do with um with service dogs in this in this area because i don't think it has been i don't know any other uh dogs that have been trained for starch right
0: exactly it's amazing it's really amazing so then ladies tell me the evolution so you identified oh my gosh stella's doing this life-changing of course for your son but could be life-changing for thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people around the world that have sensitivities or, like you said, type 1 hypersensitivities, which are life-threatening, but a myriad of other issues where dogs could be of tremendous life-saving benefit. So how did you move then from discovering this and to your project, to Dogs with Vests? How did that come
2: about? Um, we just wanted to know, let people know that owner-trained service dogs are a possibility, and we had helped, um, the little dog in the middle is Maisie, it's Stella's little sister. We had a family with a lot of GI issues and they couldn't actually eat their um, TPN through their uh, heart and they don't eat through their stomachs at all. And um, so we wanted to find out what could Maisie do for them and when I went to the hospital with Stella just to visit since my son we had gotten Stella approved to go to the hospital and they had a very sick child and she was getting depressed you could see her light up like a firecracker it was the most beautiful sight ever and I thought you know they just had a new litter uh this is Jane and Amy Novacek that are breeding the dogs and they um you know if you'll write a book with me Kara Sladewick if you'll write a book with me and right from the dog's perspective, maybe I could train a service dog. Maybe all this effort and time I spent on Stella could be modeled to her sister, since it's genetically similar, same parents. And um, we could save time and help you focus on positive thoughts and have something hopeful to look forward to. And of course, we had to go over stumbling blocks because they thought their family was allergic to animals, and it was actually the dan. It's actually the pollen that they bring in. So if they wipe them down when they come in the house, they do a lot, lot better. And mm-hmm. these dogs uh, have less standard. So we said, let's get on a let's do a community outreach. Let's build this family up. Let's help raise money for that dog and future dogs by uh, sales of the book. And let's we invited the volunteers, the um, high school children that my sons went to school with, said if you'll help us make this little documentary, which the family will have to show how their dog was trained because they were too ill to actually start training at the moment. Um, So they came and picked out their dog. They actually came and visited their dog every two weeks and went on some outings with their dog. And we just tried to help them. And it was just wonderful watching even these high school boys, you know, start to understand, oh, this is the broader scope of things and getting involved and being proud that they're a part of the project. And so that documentary will come out. It'll be about 25 minutes long. And it'll come out this Christmas and show some of the how we taught b- both Stella and Maisie. And maybe a, we have our third dog going on. And so we wrote the book, used everybody's perspective of the overall scope of what's it like to raise a dog and then have to give it away to a family, from my daughter's perspective. And then what does Mason, my son, think about? Well, I don't want to take a 70 pound dog to. Uh, college and then have to tell my friends. Hey, you got room for my dog in the car to go to the movies. What are they gonna think of me? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, so we wanted to encompass everything from um, Amy's daughter writes from her perspective of being a little puppy raiser and having to handle the puppies every day for every litter and So we show um, I think Valerie will expand on it uh, Amy had um, adrenal insufficiency and so mm-hmm um what was neat is we think the dogs are smelling this because she picked the parents 3 years prior even to her getting sick and so wow. they were before they even made it they were learning the different smells so we think in the we were getting going
1: through their very first imprinting phase and when they're very when they're babies they live in Amy's home And she would sit on the floor with these puppies every day and they're on crawling on her and she's holding them. So through that first phase, they are exposed to her, her adrenal insufficiencies. And, um, many of these dogs, very, these dogs are very aware of, um, whether it's, um, adrenal insufficiency issues or, um, diabetic alert. I know many other trainers have actually gotten dogs from her as well because of the same um, right. the same thing. We're finding the same things.
0: And so do you believe Ellery that um, any young puppy uh would have the ability to develop these senses or do you think i mean it sounds to me i first of all you know it's is it nature versus nurture certainly the fact that these are several generations of dogs that are bred to specifically to use their noses um i certainly there could be something to that but do you think that if you were to identify that this would be a goal for a puppy at eight weeks of age do you feel that we that anyone could be capable of helping to hone a puppy into a
1: nose work dog to this capacity? I honestly, I do. Um, Now, Amy's dogs are even prior to eight weeks, they're exposed. So it's really that first, um, you know, imprinting phase when they're with mom and they're, you know, starting to walk and move around. That's when she's handling them. However, um, I honestly think that Any dog can do this. I've worked with families. I've worked with individuals who are training their own dogs. My entire goal is to empower families to go through this process themselves because so many organizations, and I'm not trying to, I don't ever try to um, um, say anything negative about anybody else's organization, but most families do not have thousands of dollars that they can come up with to pay for a service dog or um, the waiting list for nonprofit organizations can just be years long and that can just um, be overwhelming for so many people. Um, So going through this training process, yes, they can go adopt a dog from a rescue. I work with a couple of rescue groups here where we help identify some of the dogs that have great potential for this. And um, not just this, Particular job, but other disabilities as well, and um, and I help them through the training process so that they never have to have another trainer help them again. They are empowered to be able to do this themselves.
0: It's so great. So, how many other trainers are there out there like you, Valerie, that are specifically empowering pet parents to be there to train their service dog for their own specific needs? I mean, that's it's such a beautiful combination. But I don't know of any other trainers that are are doing that. I think you need to start an organization.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I told Miriam that, you know, I think we're going to, but, um, you know, I know that there are a few, but I can't tell you how many people have contacted me and said, you know, how long it took me to find you because there's just not... Uh, And um, I want to be, able that's my whole goal is to be able to teach other people so that we can, you know, put the right kind of service dogs out there that are actually helping people in this manner. Uh, You know, so that's my entire goal anyway. It's, it's, it's a wonderful goal.
0: And uh, of course, the, my second question is always, you know, tell, tell me why the work you're doing is so important. It's very clear to me how the work you're doing, why the work you're doing is so very important. So I guess my question to both of you would be um, your goal in writing Dogs with Vests. So first of all, uh, tell our listeners, readers, how they can learn more about Dogs with Vests. Uh, website, Facebook group, let us know how people can get in contact with you.
2: Yes. Thank you. Our, um, it's on Amazon and any, um, Barnes and Noble, any major book reseller can get it. If you ask for dogs Invest vests by Miriam Richard, or, um, then the website is dogsinvest.com and the, uh, Instagram is dogs underscore in underscore vests and 2018. And then it's at Service Dogs and Training for Facebook. It's just for some reason at Service Dogs and Training. Dogs Invest was already taken. But uh, the book proceeds help us to fund and benefit the dog we trained and then the future dogs that we hope to train. So mm-hmm. uh, all profits besides printing costs will go towards that exclusively um, just for the book, not necessarily for the documentary or other future endeavors. But um, for that, we just wanted to show people uh, empower them? What kind of journey? Because many people with gastric, um, gastric disorders or intestinal disorders, they also have mood disorders and emotions and almost need a, a emotional support dog, but could, could they turn that dog to be a service dog? Could it have a task and actually help them. My, my dog actually can open the refrigerator, get a boost, which is a liquid nutrition if my son couldn't eat and then bring it to him and shut the refrigerator if he was that weak. And he had been that week that summer, but he has never been that weak since. And so, but we did train her. She opens and closed doors and drawers. And that's why those, um, well, I don't know. I guess my housekeeper took the ropes off the doors to make it look nice for the interview
1: <laughs>
2: have, um, stuff on the door. They can do these yeah. So yeah, the book sales help, and we wanted to show people what it feels like to walk through it. So we have, like I said, multiple um, authors, so you can understand uh, if this is good different for you. perspectives. Yeah, a whole resource mm-hmm. in the back of everybody we contacted, whether they be um, search and rescue dogs, because people are saying you can't do starch. Your dog will alert to plants. Your dog will alert to how will your dog go to Starbucks and not be going crazy and what um valerie had the sense to tell me don't go to the police dogs don't go to these dogs because they're either on they only have on they don't have they don't have an all clear they just have bomb 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 bomb. i smell bomb aren't you paying attention and then um so to learn the difference we did learn the two steps um i also contacted a lady julian skalky who was doing gluten dogs and she does all clears and i learned just wanted to go through her little testing to make sure that I was doing it right. Like we said, we, we contacted probably 10, 10 or more trainers to make sure that I wasn't giving off a wink or, a, you know, <laughs>
0: sure. Sure.
2: mechanism yeah. to do it, but to do multiple starches, she's doing 16, you know, starches. And she is sometimes telling me on her own, not, not offering it, but if I gave her a tarot root or something that I never put in her, well, she'll still tell me and she's correct, you know, so so cool. Me, um, learn i guess yeah
0: and and she can extrapolate from what you know that's that's the coolest part i mean we we always in my opinion we really really brilliant and amazing and valerie you hit the nail on the head they don't speak fluent portuguese or english or spanish but they will want to tell it the the second that they know that we want the information they're more than happy to give it and how cool is it that you're seeing that miriam that your dog is alerting you hey this is related, you know, my, I'm able to let you know that this is related and you should, you know, this is a positive, it's very cool that that she's extrapolating. Mm -hmm. The the other thing that I think is interesting, and Valerie, you probably, this is your, probably a day-to-day thing if you're a dog trainer, much of your training is actually training the pet parent or the owner. A lot of it is training, especially because you're dealing with lay people who aren't professional trainers. It's making sure that we're communicating correctly to the dog Mm -hmm. and not confusing the dog and I think that sometimes um, you hit the nail on the head service dogs are uh, overwhelmingly expensive and a lot of people need them and not not people don't have the time or money to be able to get them but really what you're demonstrating is that there's there is a capacity there for every human who has a physical disorder we could potentially train a dog to help them identify sources, triggers, or risks um, with the dog that they know and love that they potentially got at a pound, which is super inspiring, super inspiring.
1: Absolutely. I have um, some of the people that I have worked with, I know many organizations probably would have failed their dog out because it would have taken too much time maybe they didn't have the uh, education behind them or their volunteers that most nonprofits use a lot of volunteers to help with the training process so instead of actually working through behavior issues they might they'll fill them out instead and replace the dog with another dog that's a little easier to train for. But many of the families or individuals I've worked with going through the training process with their own dog, they are super attached already to this dog. They love their dog. They see it through. And I know one lady in particular with her dog. She is one of the best service dogs. Works for Hollywood Feed now, and uh, she goes to work with her every day. Uh, she used to be sensitive of people, but now she loves. She goes to say hi to everybody who comes into the store. Right. So, yes. um, uh, yeah, I think any dog is really, I personally believe any dog is capable of it. I think it's the person and what they're willing to put into that dog. That being said, I think there's a lot of dogs who might have some fear issues that do not want to be there.
0: Sure, sure. And that's understandable, it, it, you know? You bet, you bet. So, the, the dog has to want to participate, That's of right. course.
1: Yeah. But what's
2: cool... Valerie, Valerie has about eight, at least six different certifications. And what was interesting is she had told me different things. I would have failed Stella out. I was like, hey, you yep. know, she barked at that dog when I dropped a treat and that dog came to get her treat and she barked at that dog and I thought they aren't allowed to bark. And she goes, Miriam, that they're a dog. It's okay if they're still a dog. You know, you can't <laughs> expect perfection. And she had also, um, there was something else she had told us that the dog should be, Okay, to be petted, even though mostly service dogs can't be petted if they have an all uh, not working, you know, symbol. And so we have Stella sit. That why would your dog work for you if if it's not fun or enjoyable? If that's how they're motivated, you know, not that they can okay. beg for attention, but if somebody asked me, "I pet your dog," that if I give her an all clear or whatever it is, uh, not all clear, but uh, that it's safe, that you're not working, go ahead, you can be petted and then she enjoys it and then she wants to go on outings otherwise she'd be like well, why would i want to be stuck to you being ignored all day except for when you call for me you know like yeah right. call. One, my, uh,
1: one of my go ahead uh, one of my well most of my certifications i'm also a mentor trainer for uh victoria stillwell academy for abc for uh, uh a few of the other ones but karen Pryor academy was the first uh Uh, first school I actually graduated from um, for one of my certifications. And of course, so therefore I'm a positive reinforcement trainer. I believe that these dogs need to love their job. And every one of my service dogs definitely love their job. They want to be there. Um, And um, that makes all the difference. Um, I think it was Stella, wasn't it? When you went into the mall one day and a security officer went up and asked, is this a service dog she has a red vest on it's obvious she is labeled a service dog and um she said well yes she is a service dog she has her vest on and he said well it looks like she's having too much fun so i thought she might not be so, uh, i would hope she is having fun being there i mean um, so i believe in positive reinforcement training and um, um, we don 't use any of the aversives um necessary i don 't believe they 're necessary or helpful and service dogs. Yeah.
0: well i not only do I admire and respect your vantage point i I share that same vantage point. Right. we can learn through fear or we can learn th- through love who would who no no living beating heart beating soul whatever say I would pick fear, no one likes right. to respond exactly. that way. So, but but the thing I love is that you 're also um, the dogs that show an interest in wanting to work, you're letting them have this amazing life-saving job. They're having fun. They're in a bonded relationship in a loving family that they are, partic- are participating in. But they also get to work and dogs are, so many dogs are so bored and they yeah. don't have jobs that really you're giving your dog uh, the best of every possible world they're serving this invaluable part of their family by identifying some of these life threatening potential reactions but they're also loving their job and they also have time off they get to play and be petted and interact and be a dog yes. and sniff and sniff and roll around and they're not under those strict stringent boundaries that so many working dogs are under which yeah. i which really warms my heart you're giving heart. them an opportunity to also be a dog, which I love. I love it yes. all the way around. Definitely. Well, I, Thank you. I'm really inspired by the work that you both are doing. I also appreciate you sharing this with the world. I think sometimes some of these things you've identified for yourself and they've been life-changing clearly, Miriam, for you and your son, for your whole family. But I really appreciate you going the extra step in writing the book and sharing this information with the world because I think on top of being inspiring, you and combined with training techniques that Valerie clearly you've mastered you're able to present this as a brand new concept of a working dog in a home in a pet home in a loving home that is you know is working intermittently but having a whole lot of fun a whole lot of joy and a whole lot of um, importance and respect within that family unit so it's really in my opinion what you're doing is kind of providing the ultimate job for the ultimate pet loving home which I I I'm really excited to be able to share with the world. So thank you both for joining. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Really good.